You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. If you have your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Psalm chapter 1. I'm going to be speaking from, from that this morning. Uh, I kind of want to do a whole lot of uh, standalone messages just looking through the Psalms and just picking some individual Psalms, maybe about 10 messages uh, from the Psalms. And I really feel like God's going to encourage people. There's such a variety of Psalms, and Psalms is a wonderful book because it's easy to read, it's very relatable. Uh, you can basically just pick up the Psalms, read it, and kind of go, okay, I can put myself in that situation. I can relate to what's going on here. And it's very easy to apply to our lives. And uh, throughout the book of Psalms, there's Psalms of thanksgiving, there's Psalms of praise, there's Psalms of petition, Psalms of lament, where people are really remorseful and just even Psalms of repentance, where they're apologizing to God and saying sorry. Um, Then there's also royal Psalms. There's messianic Psalms and there's Psalms of wisdom. So a wide variety of Psalms. And like I said, I'll probably pick about 10. I won't do all 150. uh, And then we'll get into the book of Hebrews. So this morning, as I said, I'm going to preach on Psalm chapter 1. But just before I get into my message, let's just Let's just pray. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to us. Lord, We, as we come uh, to have a look at your word in Psalm chapter 1 in particular, we just want to present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. We want to come before you and we want to lay everything down and say, Lord, here we are. Uh, We're available for you to speak to us. We're available for you to minister into our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would, uh, through your Holy Spirit, give us revelation of the truth. Open our eyes so that we can see what is going on, what you're trying to say to us through Psalm chapter 1. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Psalm chapter 1 is essentially about two people on two paths and resulting and ending up in two different destinations. And so the title of this message is The Two Paths in Life. And uh, the questions that this psalm is asking, I believe this psalm is asking three questions of us. Number one, it's asking, which of the two people am I? Number two, it's saying, which of the two paths am I on? And number three is which of the two destinations am I going to end up in? So let's let's have a look at Psalm chapter 1. And I'm going to read it from the New International Version. Normally we read from the NLT, which is the New Living Translation. But um, the NLT doesn't use the word blessed. And I really want you to see that there's a contrast between one person being blessed and the other person not. So I've chosen the NIV uh, to read from because it does use the word blessed. So let's read it through. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. 
Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. I wonder if, as we read through that, whether you saw the two people, the two paths, and the two different destinations. One person is blessed, and although the text doesn't say it, the other person is cursed. And you might say, well, how do I read that in to this uh, psalm? Well, have a look at Jeremiah chapter 17. I'll just read Jeremiah 17, uh, verses 5 to 8. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in, barren, in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Can you see that that text in Jeremiah is almost identical to the text in Psalm 1? There's two people, one cursed, one blessed. The blessed person is like a tree planted in the, in the water. His leaf does not wither. They bear fruit and everything they do prospers. The other person, in contrast, has put their trust in man and not in the Lord. And they actually suffer the loss of everything. They're living in a wasteland and they are cursed, the Bible says. So this is essentially about two people, one blessed and one cursed. Now, blessings and curses are vehicles that are used to transmit supernatural power. Both of them transmit supernatural power. And usually their source is a spoken word. So someone can either speak a blessing or they can speak a word. God can speak a blessing. God can speak a curse. James 3 verse 10, which is talking about the power of our tongue, says this. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. So we have the power to bless and the power to curse through our spoken words. So usually blessings and curses come through words that are spoken. Uh, sometimes they can come through objects or other things, but most times it's through a word. Right throughout the Bible, uh, you will see many, many storylines that contrast two people. For instance, the Bible talks about the first Adam and the last Adam. It talks about Cain and Abel. Uh, Ishmael and Isaac, uh, Esau and Jacob, even Saul and David. And right throughout the Bible, two people are contrasted, kind of one that's serving God and one that is walking away in wickedness. And right at the end, the Bible culminates with Christ and the Antichrist. And this psalm is talking about two different people and asking the question, which person are, are you? It's the path, and they're on two different paths. One's on the path of blessing, and one's on the path of cursing. Did you know that when the 
When the nation of Israel had crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, God told the leadership to make half the tribe stand on one mountain and the other half stand on another mountain. So they were facing each other and the one half proclaimed the blessings of God if they listened to God and obeyed and the other half proclaimed curses from God if they disobeyed what God was saying. And so as they were entering into the promised land, they were given these two choices. God's saying, what are you going to choose? Which path are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to walk in obedience and be blessed? Or are you going to choose to rebel and be cursed? And remember, this isn't about whether they're the people of God or not. This is about them entering into the promises of God. And so it's a picture of us today. You can be a Christian, but you choose which path you're going to walk on, either to obey God or either to rebel against God. And that's essentially what this psalm is talking about. Two different groups of people on two different paths and ending up in two different destinations. Now let's have a look at these two people that this psalm is describing. One person walks in step with the wicked and they stand in the way of sinners. So they're standing on the path that sinners are on. And then they sit in the company of mockers. And so what you can see here is that there's actually a kind of a progression or should I say a regression where it's they start off walking and then they're standing and then they're sitting. Can you see that actually they've come to a complete standstill in their life? And I believe that this shows us that people who cut themselves off from God will eventually come to a complete standstill. And that's because we ourselves cannot be our own power source. If you, if you, if you want an illustration, think of us as being like a battery. A battery, when it's unplugged from the power, will eventually go flat. And it's in the same way when we unplug ourselves from God. We might be okay for a while and we're walking, but then eventually we become standing and then sitting as, as the battery in our lives gets flatter and flatter and flatter. And when we go our way, our own way, this is the result that this psalm is saying. In the beginning, you know, when people turn away from God, they think everything's going to be okay. They're, they're kind of walking. But the thing is, they're actually walking with the wicked. And people might think, well, I'm not, a, I'm not a bad person. But the Bible says all unrighteousness is sin. So if you're not walking on the path that God wants, there is only one other option. There's no neutral option where it's like, well, I'm not choosing God and I'm not choosing to be an evil person. If you're not choosing God's path, God says you've chosen to walk with the wicked. Because the path that God has for us is a path of blessing. It's a path of joy. It's the best thing that we could ever hope to, to have. And to reject that offer is wicked. And so we start off by walking. And uh, as time goes on, uh, sin begins to take a hold of our lives. And then we end up standing in, in the way that sinners are on. And I believe this is, a, this is a picture of how we start off by just veering off course, 
making our own decisions, doing our own thing. But eventually sin grabs more and more of our lives. And without God, we cannot effectively get victory over sin. And sin begins to consume us and begins to take more and more and more ground in our lives. And so we end up no longer walking, but we end up standing with sinners. And then that sin, if undealt with, just continues to corrupt. Undealt with sin is never idle in our lives. We kind of think, well, you know, maybe, maybe something happened many, many years ago where maybe something like bitterness or something got into our lives. And we kind of think, well, that's in the past. I've just ignored it. You know, the Bible's pretty clear that undealt with sin will continue to work in our life. It will continue to corrupt. It will continue to eat away at us. Look at this verse in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. It says, Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. So it's saying here, it's something like bitterness. It just starts off very small in our lives. It starts off as a little root. And you might think, oh, that's nothing. You know, yep, I, I was upset. I was bitter with this person or whatever. But it's just a tiny root. Well, this verse says that root actually grows up. And if it's, if it's left, it will eventually grow into a, into a plant in our lives. And it will end up not just corrupting us, but it says it will defile many. So that root of bitterness, if left alone, begins to grow and grow until it consumes our lives. But not only does it affect us, it actually starts affecting the people around us. So undealt with sin is never dormant. It keeps working away in our lives, consuming more and more and more of us. And... That's when we find ourselves no longer walking, no longer standing, but now we're actually sitting. But the worst part of this verse is that we're sitting with mockers. And you can see there's a real uh, degrading happening, a degrading process happening in this person. Initially, they just kind of turned away from God. Then sin began to consume their life, but now... Sin has eaten away so much in their life that now their conscience has been seared. They no longer feel any kind of conviction of sin happening in their life. And now they're actually in a place where they are mocking God. They are mocking the church. They're mocking the people of God. They're mocking God's word. They feel nothing about the Lord. They've, they've basically drifted so far away from the Lord, they now sit with people who mock God. And that's a very dangerous place for somebody to end up in. God says in, in, in Psalm chapter 1, this person who, who has gone down this road is like chaff. Now, the interesting thing is that chaff is that like outer husk on a, on a kernel of wheat. It's the part that's kind of like the outer skin that when they harvest wheat, they thresh it so that the chaff actually breaks away and blows away in the wind. The chaff is actually valueless. The wheat has the value, and so there's a separation that happens. The, the tragedy for me is that the chaff grows right next to the wheat. 
So all its life, it grows up right next door to the wheat, which has value. And so this, this for me is a picture that the godly and the ungodly grow up together on this earth. They, they see the blessing of God upon God's people. They see the, that everything that God's people do, uh, the people that delight in God, you know, whatever they do prospers. And they can see that they like a, you know, there's, there's a watering, there's, there's a fruitfulness, there's, their leaves aren't withering, and yet they grow up seeing all of this, but they still choose to reject God. Jesus spoke about this, yeah, this wheat and kind of chaff in the parable of the wheat and the tares or the wheat and the weeds. And uh, just, you might be wondering, what is a tear? Well, a tear actually looks like, it looks exactly like wheat, but it's not wheat. It's like, it's a weed. Uh, but if you look at a picture of the two, at a very quick glance, you'd say, oh, that's the same thing. But it's actually not. And, and in this parable, uh, God is showing that the wheat and the weeds or the tares grow up side by side, but he waits until the final harvest to separate them. He doesn't pull up the tares early because he said, if you do that, the wheat will come out as well. But at the final harvest, he says the angels will actually separate the two and the wheat will go into the barn and the tares or the weeds will be burned. And uh, ultimately, it's showing that the final destination for someone that turns away from God, someone that, that ends up mocking God, rejecting God, the final destination for that person uh, is eternal destruction. And that's what it says in Psalm 1 in the, in the last verse, that the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And Jesus spoke many times about the fires of hell. It's not often preached about because I think people don't like to talk about the subject. But Jesus actually spoke quite a lot about hell. And when he explained the meaning of the parable of the wheat and the weeds, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 40 to 43. Jesus said, Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. It's interesting that everyone who does evil will be removed from the kingdom of God. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun, in their father's kingdom, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So the wheat are put in the barn and the weeds are burned. Now, some of you might be asking this question. If God is truly loving, then why would he do this to people? Why would he separate people like this? And why would he send a bunch of people into the fires of hell? And it's actually a very simple answer. And the answer is this. True love never forces the decision of the object that it loves or the person that it loves. If you truly love someone, you will never force them to make a decision against their will. Let's 
Take, for example, Jen and myself. I mean, we're married, but let's just say, for instance, we weren't married. And I love Jen, and I went to Jen, and I said, look, I love you, and I'm going to marry you. But Jen says, hey, hang on a minute. I don't love you. <laughs> I, I don't want to be married to you. But I say, listen, it doesn't matter. I love you, and I'm going to force you to marry me. Now, that that wouldn't be showing love to Jen. I, I hope you can see that. If I forced her against her will to marry me, to be with me, that wouldn't be me showing love to her. If I truly loved her, I would say, look, I love you. I want to be with you. I want you to be my bride. I want you to spend the rest of your life with me. But, but it's your choice. Do you want that or don't you want that? I'm not going to force you to be with me uh, in, in marriage. And that's showing love. When you give the person the opportunity to choose, your, you might desire uh, them to be with you, but love is showing, is giving them a choice. And that's exactly what God does with humanity. He says, I love you. I've, I've made a way for you to be with me. I've, I've sacrificed my only son to pay for your sins so that you can be with me. And, and God is saying, if you will come with me, you will receive all this incredible inheritance. It'll be the most wonderful life you'll ever live. You will live in blessing. You will, you will be fruitful. You'll be able to see my face. You'll be able to be with me for all eternity. But the thing is, some people don't want that. Some people, some people don't believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't agree with God's word. They say, no, nope, I don't want to do all this stuff. I'm, I want to do my own thing. And so God says, okay, if, if that's your choice, I will let you be separate from me for all eternity. And so God made a place, and it's called hell, and he made this place to be a place where he removes himself from that place. Just think of it like this. God is infinite. He's everywhere. He, he holds the universe in the palm of his hand, the Bible says. And so what where, what option would people have if they say, well, I don't want to be with God for all eternity? Well, where can you go? There's nowhere to go. And so God made a place where he isn't. And he's removed himself from that place so that people who don't want to be with God can be in that place separate from God for all eternity. But the, here's the thing. Right now on earth, God is pouring out something called common grace. You know, it says that the sun rises and sets on the righteous and the wicked. The rain falls on everybody. There are blessings that we experience in life, whether you're a good person or whether you're a bad person. Uh, people can experience a measure of joy, a measure of love, a measure of peace. We can enjoy the, the beauty of nature, the sound of a bird calling, all that kind of thing. Whether you're a good or bad person, doesn't matter. It's all provided for us by God because of common grace. But in hell, everything, every good thing that God is, is removed from that place. So in other words, God is uh, he, he will remove his love, his peace. There'll be no happiness, no joy, no light, 
no truth. There will only be hatred, chaos, sorrow, darkness, lies, pain, suffering, and eternal fire. That's what's left when you take God away from a place. All that goodness goes with him and you're left with all of that bad stuff. And so the answer is that if God is truly a loving God, he gives people a choice. But he is saying with everything that he can, choose me, choose blessing, choose life, choose to receive my love, choose to receive the salvation that I've won for you. Don't reject it. And so why would a loving God send someone to hell? Well, he wouldn't be loving if he didn't give people the choice. On the other side, so we've looked at the person who is cursed or the, the wicked person that turns away from God. On the other side in this psalm is the person who is blessed. And, and what a different picture this paints. They delight in God and they delight in God's word. They are, they are consumed with God. They are in love with God. They are so in love with God's word that it says this person meditates on God's word day and night. They are thinking about God. God consumes their thoughts. God's word is something that they, they are meditating on. When, when you read the word meditate in the Bible, it's not talking about you know, sitting cross-legged, you know, emptying your mind and chanting a mantra. That's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is when you fill your mind, not empty it, you fill your mind with the Word of God and you think about Scriptures and you, you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and give you revelation of what those Scriptures mean. That's what meditating is in a Christian sense. The other sense... Uh, all other forms of meditation are actually highly dangerous for your spiritual health because you're emptying your mind and there are dark forces that are going to come in and step into that emptiness and cause innumerable problems in your life. So stick only to biblical meditation, just, just as a tip. <laughs> but uh, this person delights in God and delights in God's word. Remember that the extent to which we love the Bible is the extent to which we love God. Nobody loves God more than you love the Bible. Also, this person is not going backwards. You know, the wicked person that's walking, standing, sitting. This person is actually thriving. This person is bearing fruit this person is being fed by streams of water. This person prospers in everything uh, that they do. Their leaves turn wither. You see, the, these are signs of God's blessing upon our lives. Look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So God accomplishes in our lives infinitely more than what we are asking for or what we're thinking uh, for through the working of His mighty power, not through the working of my strength 
my effort, my might. So the picture in this psalm is that the person who is blessed is like a tree that's planted. The person who is cursed is running around in their own strength. But the blessed person has planted themselves in a healthy relationship with God, is being fed from that stream of life, and they are planted. They are trusting in God. They're not trying in their own strength to make things happen. They are, they are just at peace. They are trusting the Lord to, to move in power in their life. And, and they are seeing the blessings of God flow out of a relationship of God, with God, not out of a striving in their own strength. If you read Deuteronomy in chapter 28, uh, you can actually read Deuteronomy 27 and 28 to read about the, the tribe standing on the two mountains and the one pronouncing all the blessings and the one pronouncing all the curses and just what those blessings are and what those curses are but if you have a look at uh, Deuteronomy 28 and I'm just going to read verses 1 to 6 and have a look at how the blessings of God they overtake us they overflow it's not it's not that we are running around trying to make the blessing happen it's just we are plugging into God and we're delighting ourselves in him and then the blessings overtake us it says and if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So notice that it's saying these blessings, they don't just come upon us, they actually overtake us. They they almost run far, or they, they move faster than we are moving. It's, it's not that I'm moving, trying to bring the blessings of God with me. The blessings of God are going ahead of me in my life. And it says, Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl, Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Basically, wherever you go, the blessing of God just follows you and flows over your life. Remember, in the very beginning of this message, I said that blessings and curses are vehicles used to transmit supernatural power and that in most times it comes from a spoken word. Well, in this case, the person who is speaking is the Lord. And he's saying, if you do this, these blessings are going to flow. If you do this, curses will flow. And so the blessing or the curse comes actually from the same source, and that's from God and his spoken word. If we will put our trust in him, if we will delight ourselves in the word of God, if we will be wise also about the company that we keep, if we will avoid walking with the wicked, standing with sinners, and sitting with mockers, then God says he will bless us. We will be like a tree planted by a stream that feeds us with living water. Our leaves won't wither. We will bear fruit in season. 
You know, when you look at a tree bearing fruit, a tree isn't trying its hardest to bear fruit. That, that branch isn't putting in effort to bear fruit. The key thing is, is the branch remains connected into the trunk and the root system. If the branch stays connected, fruit will be a natural byproduct of that connection. And that's how it works for us in our relationship with the Lord. Fruitfulness is a result of a relationship with God, a healthy relationship with the Lord, where God's blessings flow into our lives, a fruitfulness just happens. It'll happen in God's strength and not ours. And the icing on the cake, the, the cherry on the top, is that when you see these blessings flowing in your life, they are a sign to you. They are a, a confirmation, an affirmation that you are actually on the right path. That's how I view blessings and curses. I, I kind of view them as like uh, the curses being, say, the edges of the road or the barriers on the end of the road. And blessings are like the GPS navigation system. When you are walking the path that God wants you to walk on, the blessings flow. It's like the GPS, that blue line or whatever, on the GPS saying, yep, you're on the right track. Keep going. You're on the path that you should be on. But when you start straying from that path, things become difficult and things start going wrong. You know, if you drive off the road, you're liable to hit into trees and obstacles and all that kind of thing. And it should be a warning to go, hey, hang on a minute, something's wrong here. Something, I've gone off track. Why is all this stuff happening to me? And that's how I view it. It's actually the grace of God to show us when we've deviated off track. God is so loving. He will never just say, well, I love you so much that I'm just going to leave you to walk wherever. Hopefully, you will end up in the right destination. And off we go walking, and we get ourselves totally lost. We get ourselves into such a bad situation where we are stuck, and we are, you know, everything is broken down, and we're really struggling through life. God doesn't want to just kind of say, well, good luck to you, and see you, see you in eternity kind of thing. No, he provides a way to show us, actually, you are disobeying. You are walking on your own path. You are trying to do things in your own strength. You're not trusting in me. And so these are the consequences to show you, hey, get back on the path that I have for you. If we think about it just logically, God has infinite, he has all knowledge. And so he knows what the very best path for our lives is. It's up to us to trust him and say, okay, God, I trust you. I'm going to let you decide the path for my life. I'm not going to choose to do my own thing. I'm not going to turn a deaf ear to you. I know that you're saying this. I'm just going to turn a deaf ear as if I didn't hear. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, yes, Lord, okay, I've heard your voice. I want to walk on your path. And the path, the end result of this path in Psalm 1, is that it says that God watches over the path of the righteous. He, he's watching over that path. And so when you are walking in the ways of God and you're walking in obedience, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you, you can have assurance that God 
is watching over you. And the way you know that and the way you can actually see it physically manifested is in the blessings of God that overtake your life. And when that happens, you should be saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm on the right path. You are showing me through these blessings that I'm actually obeying your voice, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, um, I'm walking in the path that you want uh, me to walk on. And so let me, let me end in, in prayer and I ask you uh, these three questions. You know, which person are you? What, what path are you on? Are you, are you walking on a path where you're seeing the blessing of God? Or are you walking on a path where you feel like, hey, things are going wrong. There's a, there's a frustration in my life. For me, that's the key thing. When it comes to, I've ministered to many people who've actually needed curses broken over their life. And the, the common thing is that they are frustrated. That's the, that, for me, is a very um, glaring sign that somebody is under a curse when there's tremendous frustration. As soon as they're about to get ahead, it's like the rug gets pulled out from underneath them. And then they start building up again, and they're just about to have a major breakthrough, and then, bang, their feet are taken out from underneath them. And it's just frustrating. They can never move ahead. On the other side, someone who is blessed sees the blessings overtake them. They don't have to try in their own strength. It's just doors are opening for them. The blessings are happening. And you look throughout the Bible and you look at some of these guys like Abraham. He wasn't a perfect person by any means. I mean, he made some major mistakes. And yet you look at the blessing that flowed in his life and it was just because God blessed him and the blessings overtook him. And, and so... Let me ask you this question. Which person are you? What path are you on? And maybe even there are some people here who your eternal destination is in doubt. Maybe you know deep in your heart that you actually are not born again. If you, if you are born again, you'll know it. If you're not born again, you will be wondering, am I born again or not? Uh, but you can be sure today. So I want to say, I want to just pray a prayer for two categories of people. First of all, for those of you that want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you are wanting to know for sure that your eternal destination will be to be with God, and you want to start walking on this path that God has for you. And then the second group of people are people who are Christians but you've deviated. You are, you are walking down a path where really it's in your own strength. And we can do that as the people of God. And if you're doing that, I want to say, let's get back to trusting in God. Let's get back to relying on God. Let's put our trust in Him. Let's plant ourselves in that relationship with God so that the blessings of God can overflow in our lives. So let's, let's bow our heads in prayer. And we'll pray for the first category first. If you don't know Jesus, this morning is your opportunity to come before the Lord and say, Jesus, I'm repenting, I'm laying my life down, I want to be saved. Let's pray. Just repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and the only way to God. I believe that you died on the cross for me, for my sins, I believe that you paid the price 
that I was supposed to pay and you paid it in full. And so, Lord, I ask for forgiveness for all my sins. And I also forgive those who have sinned against me. And I thank you, Lord, that you do forgive. Lord, from now on, I want to hear your voice and I want to do your will. I want to walk on the path that you have for me. I want to serve you and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the Bible says, if you've prayed a prayer or you've, you've spoken out loud, if you've confessed your sins, God is faithful to forgive you of your sins. And it also says, if you confess Jesus as Lord you with your mouth, and you believe it in your heart, you'll be saved. Now I want to pray for the next group of people, which are Christians, that have maybe deviated away from the path of God. You've stopped listening to God. You're doing your own thing. And really, all we need to do is repent, humble ourselves, come back to the Lord, and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm laying my life down as a living sacrifice. I want to hear your voice and obey you so that your blessings can flow in my life. Lord Jesus, I come to you this day acknowledging that I've walked away from your path. I've done my own thing, Lord. I've walked away, and it's actually you view it as wickedness. I might not be trapped in sin. I might not be sitting with mockers, but I've walked away from your will, and I'm sorry, Lord. I repent of that. I confess it as a sin. I see it as a sin, and I confess it today as a sin. From this day onwards, I want to walk on your path. I want to hear your voice, and I want to obey. For Jesus, you said to love me, to show love to me, is to obey my commands. And so, Lord, I want to show you love, because I do love you. Deep down inside my heart, I love you, Lord. And I want to show that by, by walking in obedience. I'm, I'm tired of trying to do things in my own strength trying to make things happen, trying to open doors. I want to be planted like a tree next to the streams of living water so that you can open doors for me, so that you can produce fruitfulness in my life, so that you can cause the leaves in every area of my life not to wither, and everything I do will be prosperous. Lord, I pray for that. I, I yield to that. Thank you, Lord, that on the cross, you became a curse so that I can be redeemed from the curse, so that I can receive all the blessings of, of your rich inheritance. Thank you that you made that available on the cross. And so, Lord, I pray today that every curse over my life would be broken in the name of Jesus, and in exchange, I receive the blessings of God. I receive them now by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, I really trust that God has ministered powerfully to you this morning and that you see just an incredible breakthrough in your life. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at newgencitychurch.org.